Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the science of healthier animals. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. We're gonna have a great show. We have one of my favorite veterinarians and one of my best friends, Dr. Kip Lucas Savage. He's gonna be here on the show. We're gonna travel out to Red Cloud, Nebraska, where Dr. Kip's at a feed yard to talk about early castration, early dehorning, and acclimating those calves. Closed captioning is brought to you by Profusion Drench for Beef Cattle, a no-prescription, no-needle supplement. To learn more, go to zenpro.com. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here at Iowa State University, and today we're going to go out to Red Cloud, Nebraska to Feed Yard. We're going to meet up with Dr. Kip Lucasavage, who's a veterinarian out of Grand Island, Nebraska. He's with Production Animal Consultation. He's one sharp veterinarian and he sees cattle all across this country. He's world renowned for his acclimating cattle and cattle handling, uh, cattle facilities design, and much more. Uh, as we catch up with Dr. Kip, we're going to start out, hey Dr. Kip, what do you think about castrating calves early in life? Thanks Dan for uh, having me on the show today. Um, just want to talk a little bit today about uh, the benefits of early castration and, and dehorning. Uh, obviously the the best would be for dehorning is to not have horns but we do have some breeds of cattle that still have horns uh, today that that are part of the genetics and so uh, we do have to deal with those and it's best to deal with those up front and early uh, in life versus waiting waiting till later uh, so I'd like to kind of just get right into it I guess as far as on the on the early castration part the probably the, the biggest benefit is, is the animal welfare and the, once calves uh, are born uh, they, they're just kind of like humans in the fact of uh, as they come through the birth canal and whatnot, I mean, uh, we don't tend to uh, have a lot of our senses or feelings and, and uh, nerve senses are not as, as uh, enhanced at that point. Uh, we tend to be able to tolerate a lot more things at that point. And so trying to do that uh, within the first uh, 48 to uh, 72 hours or so of, of uh, placing an elastrator band on the, on the testicles or on the scrotum, the ideal time to do that. If, if we have to delay a little bit, you know, any time within the first uh, two to four weeks of life, uh, I think is a benefit. Uh, and research-wise, they'll show that calves that are uh, one to seven days of age, whether it's via uh, banding or uh, via surgical uh, incision and uh, emasculation of the cords uh, that there's very little uh, impact on the behavioral standpoint of that animal at that point in time. Um, however, uh, once that calf reaches the age of 42 days or greater, uh, they have shown then that, that the cortisol levels, which is just a measure of uh, stress on that calf, uh, is significantly greater than those that were not castrated at that time. So. Uh, I guess the point there would be is, is that uh, when we get to that uh, four week of age mark or greater, uh, our recommendation at that time would be is, is to use some sort of pain mitigation 
um, along with your castration techniques. I would just recommend just visit with your veterinarian and, and get their uh, opinion on what should be used at that time, but uh, certainly some sort of pain mitigation would be, would be warranted. I will say also, um, there, there's kind of a myth out there of, of where people feel like leaving the, the testicles with the calf um, will help improve weight gain of that calf uh, come weaning time and, and uh, it is just a myth actually because um, I would say weight gain and performance is built more in the genetics uh, of the animal uh, not so much in the uh, in the testicle and what I mean by that is is that uh, they do show uh, in research that that uh, there is no weight benefit uh, to testosterone in a young calf it's just kind of like a human again uh, you don't tend to see young men kind of develop muscularly until their puberty age of about 15 or 16 years of age and in a calf it's more like around 10 months of age is when that hits and so um, there is no benefit to, to leaving those testicles on for weight gain purposes. I do understand like from a breeding stock standpoint if you are retaining breeding stock and, and you're going to do your calling later on uh, post weaning for those bulls then uh, certainly if you are going to castrate at that point in time that doing it on a, a grass area or where the calves can be turned back out on the grass and, and heal up would be ideal. They do show that later castration with scar tissue, whether that's with banding or with knife, that that scar tissue actually does uh, increase uh, chronic pain for that animal. I would always say is just try to do what's best for the industry and best for that animal, uh, more so for that animal. Um, and, and in that case, early castration is, is by far the best. Hey folks, great information, Dr. Kip. Thank you so much. Remember, early castration is key within those first 48 to 72 hours. And if we wait until after, say, 42 days or more, the pain sensations and nerve endings increase, indicating that we need to use some sort of pain mitigation. As you think about this in life and we think about the myths, the one thing I always tell people is the longer the testicles are attached to the calf, the more attached the calf becomes to the testicles. Early castration is a key. More from Doc Talk with Dr. Kip after these messages. Producers know stress costs money. It puts their cattle at greater risk of illness and can be a substantial drain on animal performance. That's why ZenPro developed ProFusion Drench for Beef Cattle. Formulated with ZenPro's patented trace mineral technology, ProFusion Drench is a no-strip, no-needle performance supplement proven to rapidly replenish essential nutrients lost during times of stress. For optimal results, use ProFusion Drench with ZenPro Performance Minerals in feed as part of a complete nutrition program. To learn more, go to ZenPro.com. ValleyVet.com is your one-stop shop for your every animal need. From prescription meds, vaccines, equipment, and more for the ranch to the show ring, shop ValleyVet.com for fast shipping and great prices. Supply. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here at Iowa State University. Thanks for joining me on Doc Talk today. Let's head back out to Red Cloud, Nebraska, where Dr. Kip's there in the feed yard, and let's talk about what he thinks about early dehorning of calves and what happens if you don't. As far as dehorning goes, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. In that, uh, uh, again, we don't hope 
usually we don't have to dehorn very many anymore in the feedlot, but when we do, it is a kind of a what I would say is is not the the best of processes. We do have to, we do use pain mitigation, and what people probably don't understand is is that when the calf is born with horn buds, they are just that they're just horn buds, and they're so they're underneath the skin, uh, but not attached to the skull or to the uh, to the bone tissue. Uh, and so using like a dehorning paste or a, uh, a hot iron to actually uh, disturb the corium or the growth of that horn bud and remove it uh, is by far the best. Uh, and we can do that anywhere from again at 48 hours to 72 hours of age is by far the best or at least within the first two, two weeks. Um, if you're doing it uh, after two months, I would tell you is, is that at two months of age, that horn bud starts to attach to the skull or to the bone structures of the skull and then starts to create a sinus cavity within that horn matrix. Uh, and that sinus cavity eventually uh, attaches or connects to the frontal sinus passage of the, of the skull. Um, and so you do increase your risk of respiratory disease uh, at that point. Cattle that come to the feedlot with horns, some, some guys like to just maybe tip the horns, which is basically just taking the about an inch or so off the tip. I would actually tell you that uh, I, I'm not a big fan of tipping the horns one, for two reasons. One is, is for because when you go back, uh, I believe it's about an inch uh, off that horn tip, you're getting into the nerve endings of that horn which anytime that animal bumps that horn, they tend to feel that a lot more. And so it's, it's almost like a chronic granuloma at that point uh, where um, on the nerve endings. And so it's always painful to that animal. And then the other thing is, is when that animal actually uh, butts into another animal, uh, at least if, they're, if the, the horn is, comes fully to a tip, it's gonna create bruising, but it's not gonna be as great a bruising versus if you have a, uh, horn that's tipped and it's now a, about a one inch blunt in uh, that's going to definitely increase your bruising of those animals and so uh, I know for getting through the chute and those things it's it's just easier uh, to do it there uh, by by trying to tip them back a little bit but um, I would always say that it's better to again just take them off when they're at an early age and, and don't don't allow them to get to the feedlot at the age where they have these these long gigantic horns because it does increase our carcass bruising and and uh and then when you do tip things back like that or you do any surgical intervention at a later age you always increase your risk like i said at two months of age it starts to form into that sinus cavity and so trying to get sinus infections out of a, of a really bony structures uh, and get antibiotic delivered to that area is very difficult Typically, if you and I have a bad sinus infection, they're gonna do some sort of lavage along with an antibiotic and trying to lavage out a, a bovine that's uh, seven or 800 pounds uh, is, is not a real uh, fun procedure, nor is it a fancy procedure. And so my suggestion would be is just don't, don't, don't allow it to get to that point because the dollars it takes to, to fix that animal and then uh, the antibiotics, again, that are needed to fix that animal is, is uh, it's just unnecessary. Great information, Dr. Kip, as always, out there at Red Cloud, Nebraska. When we start to think about dehorning, we want to disbud, not dehorn. Disbudding means getting in there early in that calf's life when we're doing early castration, and we can use paste or some sort of heat to take those buds off the head. If you wait until the calf's two months of, of age, 
Those buds then become horns and they attach to the skull and we start growing bone into that horn structure, which then once they get to the feed yard, if you tip them too far back, we get nerve endings involved. And if you take that horn off, we can have lots of different complications from hemorrhage to sinus infections and much, much more. Obviously, genetics are the key of removing those horns with our population and cattle, but otherwise, let's do it early. Thanks for watching Doc Talk. We'll be right back. The state of Iowa and Iowa State University are proud to host the 2021 Beef Improvement Federation Annual Research Symposium and Convention. The convention will be located in downtown Des Moines with easy access to the airport, hotels, and local restaurants. Iowa State University is just north with its research and teaching farms. Join us in Iowa and experience how Iowa provides the beef industry with innovation to application. ValleyVet.com is your one-stop shop for your every animal need. From prescription meds, vaccines, equipment, and more for the ranch to the show ring, shop ValleyVet.com for fast shipping and great prices. ValleyVet Supply. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson and we're working today out in Nebraska. We're at a feed yard with Dr. Kip Lucas-Savage. And Dr. Kip, one of the things we want to know, how do we prepare those calves for the feed yard? And better yet, what happens if we don't? In terms of uh, feedlot morbidity and and uh, and the, again going back to the to the benefits of early castration and dehorning is is that uh, understanding that when we try to do these processes is at a post weaning state is is that we do increase our morbidity rate or our morbidity risk for disease of respiratory disease in those animals because of stress and and uh, the increase in cortisol which is immunosuppressive as well as haptoglobin which is immunosuppressive to the animal. And so as a result of that, the studies will show is, is that delaying castration to say that animal that's 42 days of age or greater, uh, you usually will have anywhere from a 3% to 5% increase in morbidity of those calves respiratory wise if you delay it all the way to the fact of post uh, weaning and then once they arrive at a feedlot, you can actually increase your morbidity rate up to about 35% um, or greater of those animals. And so that's a significant uh, increase in risk as it's uh, an increase in antibiotic use that we have to do, uh, which increases your risk of uh, resistance and, and those things into the environment. And so I think it's just important to understand is that uh, for us to be good stewards of these animals and of our environment and of our antibiotics is, is, is always trying to find management areas where we can intervene early, reduce the stress uh, of that animal, and hopefully reduce our, our impact on the respiratory infections that, that uh, tend to follow some of those stressful procedures later on in life. And so uh, just like you and I, again, is, is that anytime if we had to have a surgical process early in life, we don't tend to remember it's not as stressful. However, later in life, it tends to we, we tend to take longer to heal. Uh, it tends to, to hang with us a lot longer. And I think that, uh, that pain and, and the discomfort uh, that is associated with it uh, stays with us a lot longer as well. I get to see a lot of the, the stresses sometimes that animals come in with. I get to see different animal behaviors come off the truck, which gives me some insight as to maybe what went on prior to, to getting here. and, and uh, not saying that uh, most everything I get to see for the most part is always good, but every now and then we get to see some of the not so good. And, and so I think 
if I if I can have a reminder to the industry and to the people that that have stock is is to just first and foremost understand that it's a privilege to have stock. It's a privilege to own land. Uh, it's a, a, a privilege to to just be in the environment in which we get to be in every day. But it's also as a result of that privilege we have we have responsibilities. And our responsibility when we have uh, these prey animals is, is that we have to provide the care and the and, uh, handling of those animals so that we do the best for what that animal is going to be going to the next. If we're not going to retain ownership of that animal to the next phase of its life, we have to make sure that we prepare that animal to be at its, at its best and at its finest and, and to perform at its best and finest uh, once we get it there. It's just like, I always look at it as just like my kids. I know that my kids aren't going to be with me for life and I don't want them to be with me for life. Um, I'm raising them to the point of where they get to go be their own person and develop themselves. Uh, but I have to make sure that they have all the success and all the tools and the strengths needed uh, to take on the world and what's coming ahead of them in the future. And so um, I think the same way with these animals. We have to think of that way and, and make sure that um, if we truly want to talk about pride and, and what we do, uh, and, and pride is a factor of, of uh, actually showing, showing the next person the results in which you, you did. And so uh, handling uh, from, um, from when that calf is born, uh, how we handle and move our cattle either in barns or in pastures on grass in the feedlot, all those things are, are vital to the animal's success. And so I would just really encourage that, that we think about those things, uh, try to break the myths that are out there, educate yourself on those things. Uh, and I think uh, that's, that's one thing that we can do to, uh, to improve the health of that animal and, and the future success of them. Thanks, Dr. Kip. Obviously, folks, if we don't dehorn and disbud, or if we don't castrate these calves and we don't prepare them to go to the feedlot, once they get there and we have to do these procedures there, it increases stress, which then increases morbidity, which increases mortality of those calves, which decreases the value of the calf that you're going to sell because feedlot operators understand that these animals get sick and they, and they have a higher death loss. The other thing is, that increases antibiotic use. As we try to leave this uh, industry in a better place than we found it, Let's do these practices. Remember, as Dr. Kipp says, this is a privilege. And make sure that we do this as we prepare those calves for the next segment of the industry. We'll be right back with a wrap-up with Dr. Kipp after these messages. As dependable as the sunrise, in dairy parlors, open pastures, on ranches and feed yards across America, a place where reputation is more than a name, where the science of healthier animals is a way of life. It's the responsibility that drives who we are and what we do, every decision, every day. It's your livelihood and our responsibility. ValleyVet.com is your one-stop shop for your every animal need. From prescription meds, vaccines, equipment, and more for the ranch to the show ring, shop ValleyVet.com for fast shipping and great prices. ValleyVet Supply. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson, and I love doing this show because I love the people that are on it. And Dr. Kip is another one that's just second to none. This guy is a world-class stockman. 
He, uh, he teaches cattle handling, cattle acclimation, and facility design all around the world. So if you're looking for a speaker, or if you're looking for someone to come on your operation and help you out, Production Animal Consultation, PAC, and Dr. Kip Lucasavich is the person you need to have. Let's head on out to Red Cloud with Dr. Kip and talk about acclimating those calves from birth. Dr. Dan would, would like me to visit a little bit about acclimation baby calves, and those are things that I love talking about and, and love doing. I get the privilege of going to several ranches and uh, working with them on their, their cattle handling and their calf handling and so forth. And for me, when, when you're calving, the first and foremost is, is as you get into go into calving season, is, is always have your checklist of things uh, that are necessary and and have your kind of your management strategy or, or your thought process mapped out prior to getting to to the calving season but uh, so first you know always make sure you have like your calving book your if you're going to be doing any uh, tags uh, those types of things all in, in place if you're going to do your castration have your lacerator bands or your knives sharpened and and have some disinfectant so you can disinfect the umbilicus and and those types of things but for me the most important thing is, is making sure that we encourage the bonding of that ca newborn calf and that mom and so trying to make sure you have a calving environment where you can maybe follow the sandales calving method i think is really important uh, to reduce scour risk but then also uh, just understanding that your impact on that calf's ability to to suckle or take in colostrum or for that mother to let down colostrum is is really important you you are a stress to that mom, uh, just your presence. And so if you want to reduce that stress, I would highly encourage that you interact with your cows prior to uh, being a part of their life. The second part is, is, is I would never intervene in that mom or that calf unless she needs assistance. Uh, I, but I, if she has the calf on her own, I would allow her time uh, and when I mean time, I, I would tell you at least give her 24 hours before going and, and intervening or messing with that, that mom and that calf. Allow them to be, become one. Uh, allow that calf to get up and suckle and take in a good amount of colostrum. Uh, that's his, his uh, shield for disease for the next six months of his life and so, or, or that calf's life. And so uh, don't interrupt that. If we intervene within the first six hours and we stress her ability to let down colostrum, we could impact that calf and the health of that calf and the performance of that calf for the, for the remainder of his life. And so the calf will tend to suckle and take in his amount of colostrum he needs in the first six to 12 hours. Uh, at 12 hours, uh, you're already down to about 30% absorption rate is all, uh, is what he can absorb after that. And so uh, try not to, to interfere with that. The first hour, that gut closure can get down to almost 66% for absorption. So uh, he needs to be have some vigor to him. He needs to get up and, and suckle. Uh, so just please don't, don't interfere with that. When you do have to say, if you do have to go and tag him or whatnot, uh, as I've gotten older, uh, I've, I've realized that I'm not near as fast anymore. And so uh, I think trying to figure out ways that that you can put yourself between the mom and the calf to where the calf wants to get back to mom and he catches you and then you can kind of finagle yourself so that you're back to where your calf is between you and the mom, I think is important. There's little uh, 
slings now that we can use where we can maneuver or handle that calf all from up here uh, and be up on uh, standing up rather than being down on the ground. Uh, I think it poses a, a, a threat when we're down on the ground looking up. And so being in a more natural stance, I think is important uh, when we're trying to do these things. And, uh, and there's easier methods today that we can do it, so. Great information, Dr. Kip, as always, and thank you so much. Folks, remember, as we recap this, let the cow and calf bond for the first 24 hours. We don't have to go out there and put a tag in their ear and castrate them right off the bat. Let that calf suck that colostrum during the first six to 12 hours. Then when we go out to catch that calf, we let the calf catch you. If you position yourself between that cow and that calf, that calf is coming back to the mom and comes right to you. And that's when acclimation starts, where you can show that cow that you're there to help her calf, and, and you're building confidence and you're building trust from day one. Castration and dehorning, important to do it early. That first 48 to 72 hours, we can do it with a lacerator band, and we can disbud those calves with some sort of paste or, de or cauterization. All of this is vitally important as we prepare those calves for the next address change. Acclimation starts at birth. Treating that cow, treating that calf, showing them what you want from them is going to help prepare them so that when they get to the feedlot, they know that people are there to take care of them, which then improves health, improves trust, and so much more as we improve performance and take care of the animals that have been entrusted in our care. I wanna thank Dr. Kip for being on the show. And remember, always work with your local veterinarian. And if you want to know more about DocTalk, you can find us on the web at www.doctalktv.com. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson, here with Dr. Kip Lucasavage, and we'll see you down the road. Closed captioning is brought to you by ProFusion Drench for Beef Cattle, a no prescription, no needle supplement. To learn more, go to zenpro.com. Doc Talk was brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the science of healthier animals.